Hi, and welcome to Matt Holman Talks Mental Health, the podcast where I have the opportunity to talk to amazing humans about their journey with mental health. For this episode, I'm so happy to be joined by Steve Lamb. Welcome to the conversation, Steve. Hey, Matt, nice to speak to you. Hey, lovely to see you. So just very quickly, I'll do my usual sort of quick introduction to you and I'll let you do a proper introduction to who you are and what you're doing. Um, But Steve and I know each other through our mutual love of running uh, through the running club. We're both members of a community running club where we live. Um, So we've known each other for a few years, um, not too many years, but we've we've run together. We know other people, obviously, within that community as well. Um, So we're both quite into our into our running, our outdoor stuff as well. So um, no doubt we're getting some conversations around that, too. And yeah, it's just great to have a chance to sit down with a mate and have a chat about mental health so welcome Steve do your introduction you're going to do better than I thanks Matt I guess it's hard to know what to say so I'm into technology used to be a developer um, love working with people as well uh, we were talking about public speaking earlier and I used to be terrified of that and then face my fear and guess what I actually really enjoyed it um, I've got three kids uh, been running about six years I went to run my only marathon in 2017. I've run nine since, uh, somehow addictive. Um, First one, very, very slow. um, And then I got into it. Um, But the thing that struck me, particularly the marathon, was the people that I met. And that's what strikes me most times. I love to travel, obviously not during COVID. um, But I've met all kinds of incredible people, people on the train, people waiting around at the start, people during the race. I chat to people a lot. And, you know, I find that everywhere I go, I meet interesting people. And, you know, even in the last year, I've made some incredible friends through sessions like this through Zoom. Um, And it's, you know, there's, again, there's a lot we could talk about, but I think having a positive frame of mind has really helped me, even through really difficult times where I've struggled to find positivity. But I, I think the fact that we're talking about mental health now is great. And, you know, I don't know, we, we said in the chat before, but you know, if you break your leg, it's perhaps really apparent, but people talk about that stuff. And you don't talk about having a down day or a down month or something terrible happening that would upset anybody. And how do you recover from that? And we, we don't typically talk about that stuff. And you know, I think it's good in work as well. People are talking about mental health much more. Um, and it's becoming a natural thing in some environments as opposed to a taboo. Um, so I'm really pleased to be on this session and hopefully I can add some value. Brilliant stuff. Well, you're another amazing human that's going to join this conversation set of all these people that are telling their stories. And what's really important is, you know, people will know you, you know, from your community, from your networks and from the running community that we're both in. But not everybody will understand everything about you and what you might have gone through or some of those journeys, which is exactly what we're trying to sort of delve into here. So so the big question, as I always ask to everybody that comes on, is your journey with mental health. You define it. You tell us what you want to tell us. And it's just useful to know a little bit more about who Steve really is. So I'll throw that one over to you. Yeah, thank you. Um, so I'm, I'm very positive these days. Um, as a kid, was much less so. Um, incredibly shy, painfully shy. Um, and, you know, that that held me back in a lot of social environments. You know, I was, um, I like being around other kids, but I generally just didn't take chances of not being accepted, which was kind of, it's almost like worrying about failing can, stop you doing things and then you fail by default um and you know i learned that lesson but it took me a long time to get to grips with it's perfectly okay to be who i am and if people don't like me within reason then that's just what it is there's there's things i can learn from that you know i'm quite i'm quite um perceptive you know it's important to me that i don't um 
upset people unnecessarily and that I you know, understand what they're about. But equally, I know some people just won't like me and that's or won't like what I'm about, where I'm from. That's all fine. Um, but I think there's some maturity in that that's come with, with the old grey hairs that I've got recently. Obviously, a long time ago, really. Um, the grey hairs, that is. Be but careful. Yeah. Well, I've got yeah. I've got one or, one or two, so yeah, don't worry. Have it's you? Right. Yeah, you wouldn't be able to notice it, especially on a podcast. You wouldn't be able to hear it. I, I'm actually really thankful to still have hair. Um, yeah. Lots of my friends have had to shave their heads because you know, yeah, my Changes. dad, my dad had a comb over since I can remember. Right. Um, probably shouldn't say that on a podcast you might watch sometime, but you know, it's um, being who you are. I think is the most important thing, mm -hmm. and and with the people around me, I try and make it easy for them to be who they are. Um, you know, I I left a job uh, just over a year ago where I was trying to be what they wanted me to be, um, and that's only a year ago. And, you know, it's, I suppose it was imposter syndrome. And that led to some fairly dark times in terms of, you know, I was trying to be who I wasn't. Um, you know, working for a big firm. Um, and yeah, it's interesting. So I suppose even though I think I've learned a lot, there's times I've perhaps regressed different, different situations. Um, but the people I work with, you know, I, I try and encourage them to tell me how they are. You know, there's nothing wrong with them having a bad day and, struggling with things that I shouldn't be finding difficult and there's maybe some reason behind it that you know don't try and get them to tell me but make them feel comfortable being able to tell me yeah there's usually a lot we can do to help but you know the, the running thing I find funny in that you know most people can run to some degree I've done couch to 5k I was injured um been so I was really poorly in 2016 um I got um pneumonia, pleurisy, and a partly collapsed lung in hospital for a week. I'd never been in wow. hospital to stay. Yeah. And I remember the, um, the consultant who looked after me when, when he once let me out, you know, when I was ready to leave after a week, I asked him, you know, they'd done every test. And it's like, well, what can I learn from this? You know, what was the cause? What, what, what happened? Did I ever train? Because I was training for marathon. Um, was it anything like that? And he just said it wasn't your day. And, wow. and I remember saying to him, this is before my first marathon. Yeah, yeah. And uh, I said, well, you know, is that a crazy idea to still run a marathon, you know, in six months time, you know, if it was from then. And he said, no. Uh, and he said, the worst that'll happen is your body will just shut you down based on what I've had. Um, so don't worry, just you know, recover as you can. And if you feel like doing it, do it. And if you don't, you know, that's fine. And yeah, it was really humbling, but it was interesting too, because I'm used to them to learn from things and there wasn't really much I could learn. Um, but I couldn't do very much when I came out of the hospital. You know, going up the stairs was massive effort. Um, just doing basic things. I remember going to the running track, um, I don't know how long it was, a few weeks after I came out of the hospital, and just taking baby steps. And I walked around the running track, and it must have taken me 10 minutes probably. You know, for anyone who's never been, which I'm sure is yeah. probably most people listening, yeah. you know, you, you, a couple of minutes is, is not particularly quick to go around the running track. 10 minutes, is, I wasn't timing it, but, yeah, yeah. but it, it was a very familiar place, and it was a known distance, and it was a safe place. So I was in no one's way, and just something familiar about it yeah but then kind of just having to be patient and just do a bit more and a bit more um again i could talk a lot about all kinds of rubbish but it's i knew that i would get better you know i knew that it just needed time and i ran that marathon and as i say it was super yeah. slow um, but you did it six, nearly six hours but i got around it yeah um, and it was the it was kind of a celebration of being able to and kudos to you for doing that, you know, from, from where you were laying on your back to 
you know, completing a marathon. What an incredible journey that was in itself. And I, I just want to go back to that point where you were in the hospital and you were thinking, you know, obviously not knowing what was going on necessarily. And what were your thoughts at that point? How were you really feeling mentally? You know, this is a mental conversation. What was your mental health like? The, the, the interesting part was the first bit. I mean, the backstory was I went to hospital three times and only got admitted the third time. Um, right because my symptoms weren't clear. I had pneumonia, a bad case, but wow. yeah. I wasn't coughing. I wasn't, um, as I wasn't coughing, I didn't have a temperature, didn't have any of the standard symptoms. They thought I had kidney stone at one point because I just had rapid onset of extreme pain. Um, but actually my body was just covering up because I'd been sporty yeah. for years and it was, it was just one of those things. But when I was actually admitted, I was scared because I didn't see any nurses or doctors for what seemed like a long time, but I was in a really bad way and it may not have been that long. I didn't know I had a panic button and I felt, well, what happens if I was to get really, get much worse very quickly, who would know? I mean, I could just die here and now. And rationally, I thought that's probably unlikely. They wouldn't, if I had been alone for a long time, they probably wouldn't have left me very long. I'd be in the ICU or somewhere with more attention than I'm getting here. And I was thankful to be there and be getting help. But it was scary and I realized it was not being in control that really scared me yeah and I panicked you know yeah. I was in a proper panic right and I reached out to a friend I had my phone with me I reached out a messenger and they helped me understand that I was just panicking because I was completely out of control and I had to trust that the doctors and nurses look after me and if you'd asked me consciously I said well of course they will but at a deeper level I didn't really feel looked after even though I was in a hospital yeah. very fortunate to have modern medicine and lovely people and the nurses were great and there wasn't really anything I needed to worry about I was in the right place getting the care I needed um, but it was scary yeah and this you know this is something that I'm really focusing on in terms of supporting people to understand you know the physical impact and the illnesses the things that were going on with us also have a mental impact and you've just defined really clearly a panic you know worry oh, it's uncertainty, isn't it? It's uncertainty of, am I going to get the support in time? What the support looks like? Knowing, you know, like you say, modern medication and things like that in the services, we know that they're very robust, but they have to be delivered at a specific time in a way that is going to make you recover. And that panic element, health anxiety, sort of is real for people. But, but also, yeah, and, you know, I was, um, I think it was very hard to treat to start with. Um, I because I remember having this ridiculous conversation. So I was on morphine and tramadol to manage the pain. So I was somewhat out of it anyway. Yeah. Um, but I remember talking to a nurse when I was still panicking and I was saying my heart rate was whatever it was. And I got a watch on that was telling me my heart rate. You're probably paying the backside um, patient. Yeah. And just, well, it can't be that high because you're talking to me. And I was like, yeah, but I run, we chat at 160 beats per minute. I can chat to people you know, like you do. Yep. So that doesn't make any sense. And I remember the consultant that came to see me, he said, just tell them all you're an athlete. And I'm like, but I'm not an athlete. You know, yeah. Like, yeah, but if you say that, then they'll understand. And that's what I started doing. And I felt like a complete fool, but really? suddenly yeah. I started to understand that, okay, I had more awareness perhaps. And I was also more of a pain for like, perhaps overanalyzing my health. Mm -hmm. um, but it just gave me something to help them understand that I was a bit, a bit strange like that. Um, a friend of mine's an Ironman. He's done the world championships multiple times. He's like right up there. And he's had a few accidents. And he said he's learned how to turn off the machines that go ping in the middle of the night when they think he's dying because his heart rate drops into the 40s. Right, yep. 
And so all the different machines, he knows how to reset them so that he doesn't upset the other people in the ward. <laughs> it's quite funny. Yeah, yeah. Well, you know, <laughs> gosh, low 40s. I think sometimes mine's in the low 40s. So I don't know. Really low. What, what does that mean? Does that mean I'm fit or does that mean I'm uh, running out of heartbeats? I don't know. I hope it's... It means you're fit. I, think I hope it means fit. there's fitness in there. I, yeah, yeah. yeah running around bouncing about a lot um you know it is fascinating isn't it all these sort of experiences have you ever had that feeling again since that moment so that feeling of not being in control or that panic or or that I had it one, not since then but i had it once before years ago about 10 years ago i did went scuba diving okay yeah and no knowledge i was a strong swimmer but mm -hmm. um i remember i did what they call the term a tri dive so they take you down to less than six meters yep physically hold on to you to do everything for you we were in the sea but it was really shallow nothing was going to go wrong and we got about a meter below the surface and i just wanted to go back up and what are you okay no i'm not okay went up what's the problem i don't know went back down again similar same experience and again that was because i wasn't in control right and, and that's the first time i was really conscious that i'm used to being in control to some yeah. degree yeah um you know and and then I did a class and I learned to scuba dive and loved it and done loads ever since. It's, but it was yeah. not being in control. So the thing that they did to keep me safe mentally panicked me. I trusted them. Yeah. They, they seemed perfectly nice. They clearly knew what they were doing. The equipment was fine. The environment was perfectly safe. Everything was fine, but me. But mentally, right. I just flipped out. So, mm. yep. Wow, that's fascinating. Yeah. It, it, and again, it's another example, isn't it, of something that you, you're right. It's about control when you don't understand or you don't know what's going on. Sometimes we can lose the sort of the ability to feel well about things and, and sort of resurface very quickly, I guess. Um, I want to talk about the work element because I know that COVID for you and, you know, as, as per many of these conversations with lots of people, we, we you know, we've explored what did it mean to you? Um, mm -hmm. Obviously, you had a change of employment um so talk to me about that experience a bit more let's talk about that in so, terms of the impact to you so i left the job i wasn't enjoying yep and thought i'll go self-employed and i've done that twice before in my career okay. and it's been fine mm -hmm. i do cyber security advice for a living so i help businesses understand where their risks are what they need to do to mitigate those risks based on their appetite for risk which is all jargon for what would i do if it was my business yep. basically and I've done that for companies medium size and large, and I hadn't really done it for small before. And self-employed, it's going to be fine. You know, I don't need to make a huge amount to get by, but enough and kids to support and everything else. Um, but I thought it tied me over for two, three months till I find the right next thing, and, and away I went. Of course, COVID hit, and all the work that I had lined up disappeared, and I really, really struggled financially, mental health, everything. I, I thought yeah. I was going to lose the house by June. Um, that was really on the cards. Um, I wasn't eligible for furlough or any of those kind of schemes because I was brand new self-employed. Massive stress, struggling to sleep. Yeah. Um, all the symptoms I'd ever read about mental health problems, I was suffering them at some degree. Yeah. It seemed like um, COVID was never ending. You know, and it was a scary place. And I had fantastic support from people in the running club, um, my girlfriend family, friends, like people were incredible, just beyond words. Um, and I was very conscious of people in much more difficult situations. Mm. And then, you know, there were these schemes for deferring payments on mortgages and loans and on all those things I could never have imagined, which all helped. Um, but I kept going for jobs and, you know, normal jobs, if you like. And, um, you know, I got turned down for driving a van for a supermarket because um, they got flooded with yeah. people wanting to do it. 
fruit picking, um, you know, all kinds of, I didn't really mind what I did and freelance work, I was chasing work everywhere and people understood the need for the work, but they were trying to keep people on. So of course they weren't going to spend and I totally got that. So it was, it was a really dark time. Um, But my friends were incredible and, and, and people did things that I would never have imagined. And, you know, I had COVID in April um, and, and again, people did the most amazing things to help. Um, I remember one lady, she very kindly went to get me some um, supplies from the pharmacy um, and she went to get me some milk and some bread and a couple of things that I needed. And she put in a couple of packets of um, uh, wagon wheels, oh. which I hadn't had in years. I didn't ask for them. Um, a couple of okay. other things like that. And it was just the fact that she thought like that and someone I didn't really know very well. Yeah. Um, just someone I vaguely knew a tiny bit and she'd gone out of her way to help me and it, it just meant a huge amount human kindness totally you know and I've helped people with things and not wanted anything back for it and she wouldn't let me pay her for it and you know but it's just the fact that she'd taken the time to go and help and there's other people I could have asked um, mm. but I didn't want to trouble them and I just asked in the running club alias and it was any time somebody could go and do X and you know, I've, I've since heard so many stories like that. And, and it just is the fact, you know, I could have managed without the supplies, but it's the fact somebody cared enough to, to help a, not quite a stranger, but nearly. Yeah. Yeah. It's, yeah. It's so, I think that's one thing that we've seen, which has come out of COVID, isn't it? It's this sort of, this ability to just be kind to people today, as we're mm-hmm. recording this actually is national, you know, um, do do a kind deed day, you know, and and it just really just brings to life the reality of the world we're in right now. You know, sadly, you know, just over a year ago now, there was a, a, a tragic celebrity suicide, which brought out this movement of be kind, and and I think we've seen that embraced by lots of people over over this period. You know, you 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 need help, you can find help. I think that's such a key message. But you didn't get help for a while, right? You sort of it took a while to get to that point, didn't it? So, yeah, I think you're referring to, I, I put on Facebook in December um, yep. that I was still struggling to get enough income. Yeah. And I should have done this months before, like months, months before, but I was too proud. Yeah. And I also felt people have got enough real problems to worry about without worrying about me. And I just put this post up saying, um, here are the things I can do. You know, I'm pretty good with a camera. I can coach people in various things. And I listed all the skills that I had that would be applicable. If you've got a computer that's not working, I can probably sort it out and yep. all these different things. And and it wasn't meant to be a desperate plea for help, but it was a plea for help. Yep. And I've got the job I've got today as a result of that. And and the interesting thing is the job I've got now I would have chosen from day one when I left the job I didn't like. Um, it's but so many people did so many things to help. And, and I've done things to try and help others of, you know, homeschooling is difficult, particularly if you don't have enough computers and all those things. Yeah. And I put a couple of posts up just saying, if, you, if you're struggling with that, let me know and I'll do what I can to help. And the things I've done have been really easy with experience and knowledge, yeah. but that's helped people. And I think it is very much about just do something. Yeah. You know, I, yeah. I do... Um, I do a lot on Zoom with, um, you know, I'm doing church bells. That's one of my hobbies has been for years. And what I realized early on from being on other people's Zoom calls was it's the fellowship that I like. I like the physical aspect of ringing bells and intellectual side, but it's the really coming together with the people. And so we meet weekly in different groups, different towers, lots of different Zoom sessions. And 
you know, I meet people who ring bells in America, Australia, wow. different yep. parts of the UK, and I, I meet them weekly. And yep. we're really good friends. And some of them have had mental health problems of one of them um, is in a, in a marriage that's broken up and they're living in the same house still, lives thousands of miles from here and trying to help share experience I had when my marriage fell apart. Okay. Yeah. And, and just somebody said, a close friend said to me, six months from now, it was a very dark time. And six months from now, it will be a lot better. You'll be in a place on your own and you'll start rebuilding. And, you know, it's, and I shared some of those things with this person that I hadn't known until a few months before. Wow. And it yeah. seemed to help. And just listening and not doing anything much, just being there. Um, but it's interesting. That can be really powerful. And that's anyone would have done that. But it's, it's, it's sharing what you've learned. But I think as much just listening to well, you know, what's happening, how's it going? It's okay if it's all terrible. Um, it won't be forever. You know, things will change, and it's it's easy to lose sight of the fact that things will get better. Yeah, and they genuinely do. The challenge we have is is that timeline isn't it for a lot of people i want to know when and you know i want the peace i want to get through these challenges and it's one of the biggest challenges we all have is this uncertainty element of the day it's going to change when the restrictions will move and we can only hope that as this podcast is going out there's a change to some of these you know, restrictions that we're under um i think what i find fascinating in what you've just said is is this connection that you've made with others overseas in other territories you know the walls have fallen down a little bit in terms of national mm. borders don't do you feel that way absolutely yeah yeah very much so supporting but, those conversations sorry yeah no no and i was going to say you know when i had covid i, I was really poorly for mm. a week, and then i rallied and then i got more poorly and then i had a slow recovery and then i you know then i was okay but what i found was i still joined those zoom calls and i couldn't talk for the first week or so on the Zoom calls, I didn't have enough breath. And I'm not, you know, people had COVID much worse than I did, but I found just being on the calls and listening and just being able to see the people kept me in touch with something. And I found mm. myself watching YouTube videos of places that I've loved going to, loved to travel, and places I'd love to go to. And I was kind of voyeuristically enjoying those and just anything to kind of be in another place. I was in, I was on my own at home and not feeling at all well, but I knew I'd get better and I had friends giving me advice. You know, a friend who's a nurse gave me great advice and you know, all kinds of things. And it was just finding a way to kind of not be in that situation and just yeah. having the patience. And I remember I first, when I first went outside after I was safe to go outside and felt able to, I walked from my road to the next road, which I can see the next road from my house. It's probably 30 feet, maybe 40. And it took me, it seemed like forever. I did it very, very slowly. But just being there was amazing. But seeing seeing other people, it kind of, I suppose I'd lived in this little bubble for about three weeks of the only things I saw were things on a screen or things in the house. And having objects move with nothing to do with me was weird, like seeing cars go past. Mm. It's all really fast. And, yep. you know, at the start of lockdown, um, going in a car after three or four weeks of not having been in a car. It seems so fast. Right. 20 miles an hour, I was like, well, I've been a rocket ship. Wow. But, but that, that not engaging with other people outside of a screen for about three weeks was messed with my head in a, I thought I was very supported, but kind of seeing things move, it's hard to describe. It was, 
I can only imagine what it's like for people who've been shielding for months. Some people have been mm. shielding for a year. It's like, yeah. yeah, I know some people in that situation. It's just the tricks that I did of using the web to kind of stay engaged. I don't know what they're doing, but I, I don't know how you keep mental health straight if you, you're just not being able to go out at all. And it is, it is a big challenge, definitely. And for anybody listening, if you are listening, you know, catching up, talking to people, there's so many things, of course, you can do. But the thing that you want to do is be with other people. And it is it's such a challenge. Um, keeping your mental health positive, you know, so this is a big part. So what's your routine now, Steve? What do you do to take care of your mental health as best as you can, of course, within the current uh, restrictions? So I view mental and physical health as inextricably linked. Yep. And so I go for a walk every day. Great. doesn't matter what the weather is. Um, even if it's not very long, if I've got lots on, even if it's dark. I went out yesterday morning in the wind and the rain at about half six in the morning. Yep. And I was like, what am I doing? Um, but I felt better for it. Mm -hmm. And somebody once asked me about running. They said, you know, I was training for the marathon. I was running every four times a week and struggling to motivate myself after a while to spend the time and to get out there. And they said, when do you ever feel worse for going running? And I'd say the same is true with a walk. Yeah. Um, get a decent raincoat, get some warm clothes, get out there, wellies, you know. Um, I think that's the main thing that I do. And, you know, I'm at home alone on my own quite a lot. I'm thankful for the support bubble. So I see, um, see my partner regularly and I'm very thankful for that. But I do a lot of online stuff. Yeah. I join these regular Zoom calls um, where we chat about any other nonsense. Yep. You know, we started off talking about cleaning our patios and Right. I mean, it's just, just the maddest things. It yeah, yeah. Standing joke. Have you cleaned your patio yet? No. Well, yeah. you probably will soon. It, you know, it's it's an exciting it's, event, though, right? It's an exciting event because it's something to look forward to. I find going to the supermarket is so exciting, and it's the maddest thing in the I, world. I but, do as well. I do as well. I generally but I talk do. To somebody, you know, I see someone on the checkout generally. Yeah. Um, but I think the main thing is also accepting it's okay not to feel okay. Yeah. You know, if I'm feeling lonely. And if sometimes I don't feel like doing a Zoom call, I don't, I feel lonely, but I don't want to talk to anybody, which mm. seems a bit silly, but I'm just okay with that. I just say, well, that's, that's all right. Um, yeah. Watch a movie or like, I often think what would this have been like if we didn't have decent internet? And I know some people on this will, won't have good internet, but the fact I can stream a movie or I can have a video call like this, or it, it's imagine months and months of none of that. Yeah. And still not being able to go out. And again, I, so I used to live rural and I had one meg broadband, so-called broadband. And, you know, I'm thankful I'm not there now, but then yeah. I had a, an environment where I could go walking easily everywhere. It's, it's, I think you just got to make the most of what you've got. Mm -hmm. Some people don't have very much. And yeah, I, I really feel for those people, but I'm very thankful that I've got my health and my friends and my family. And, Brilliant. and I live in a time when we have the healthcare, incredible healthcare, like the illness I had in 2016, I wouldn't have survived a hundred years ago maybe 50 years ago. And yet it wasn't that serious compared to things that people face now. You know, friends, yeah. I've got friends dealing with cancer and all kinds of things that are much worse than having COVID for a few weeks, in my experience of it. And yeah. for some people having COVID is way worse than I had. And, and I thought it was pretty rough, but again, I could ramble, but th there's usually someone in a situation that's more difficult than I'm in. Yeah. And I'm trying to see the, the positivity and, and I go to church too. So I've, you know, I've had very down times, particularly I've made a point of going to church and just not a service necessarily, just being in the church. Yeah. I, I feel the spirituality and just, I'm not so much into the detail, but just being there is, is yeah. 
I just feel something. Okay, nice. And I find it fascinating to know, you know, everybody has their own unique way of doing things. There's similarities, of course, in things that people do and keep doing them is the most important thing, isn't it? It's if you know that they're helping. I just want to ask you one final question, then we'll do a wrap up because we are towards the end of this now. And that is, do you feel more aware of your mental health now than you ever have? Yeah, much more, much, yeah. much more. Um, if you'd asked me a year ago, how would I get through the last year? I, you know, I would have no idea. Um, I'm more thankful for things now than I was then. Yeah, yeah I am religious and my faith has helped. Yeah. Um, but yeah, I'm, I'm just more grateful than I was before. And I can't wait to go to the beach. I don't care what the weather is. You and me um, both. Yeah, and, yeah, but that's going to happen. I'm thankful, you know, we have vaccines and it's just a matter of time. Yeah. And while we might get mutations, which mean they don't work, you know, in time we'll get something 20 yeah. years ago, 10 years ago, that wouldn't happen. Yeah, that's brilliant. Um, listen, Steve, we're at the end. I'm just, this is half an hour. It's already disappeared it's before us. It does. It really does once we're into that. I want to say a huge thank you. Thank you so much for sharing your journey for sharing those moments in your life that maybe people knew but maybe lots of people probably didn't um and also the, your recognition of mental health which is such an important part you know those moments have impact they all do and when impacts happen it creates some challenges and we have to think about how we, we feel about those moments um any final thoughts from you any words of wisdom you want to share I appreciate being on this show and for you doing this show as well, because I've enjoyed lots of other episodes. Yeah. I think it's not quite what you asked, but I was humble when my my middle son, who was about to turn five, said to me without any coaching at all, he said about two weeks before his birthday, he said, Daddy, I know I can't have a birthday party because of the virus. I hadn't talked too much about the virus, but he said, but can I please go on the steam train? And at the time we could, it was end of August, so we did that. Yeah. And that was great. And it was a bit weird because it wasn't abnormal, but... But that maturity of like, he wasn't pushing to do stuff that we can't no. do. He wasn't going, it's so unfair. He was just very pragmatic. And it, it just floored me. It was great. Brilliant. Well, great. You know, wisdom, wisdom in the young. Let's listen to what they're saying as well. And they, they've got their own way of seeing this and obviously some challenges in there too. But um, thank you so much. Really do appreciate it. I wish you all the very best with your running and with everything else that you're doing. Um, you know, we'll see you out there one day for a run at some point, no doubt. Um, but brilliant. As I always say at the end of these, if you are struggling, if you do have worries, concerns, feel isolated, alone, or anything's going on in your head, and you feel like you just need to find a safe space to talk about it, Samaritans exist today to do exactly that. There are other organisations, so I'm not just saying Samaritans, but always know there is somebody out there that you can reach out to. Please do. Samaritans is free to call 116123. Um, great organisation, but uh, just want to say a huge thank you again, Steve, and uh, and thanks for everybody that's listening. Um, for anybody that's still there listening, thank you so much. And uh, and we'll be around for another episode very soon. So take care, Steve. Awesome. Thank you very much. Cheers.